Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, the creator of all that is in heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. We come to bow before you today in this worship service. May the thoughts of our minds and the meditations of our hearts, the movement of your Holy Spirit upon each life, honor and bless you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, whom we love and worship today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, welcome. Thank you for coming this morning. God bless you, every one of you. There is a, a great deal of anxiety in our world today and fear because of uh, the coronavirus. But we're just asking the Lord to, to work mightily in our hearts. First of all, to take away our fear. Yes, we are thankful for all the wonderful medical field and world that is so active in trying to find a cure. So we pray for them today. But I'm just glad that you did not stay away from church. It's all right not to shake hands if you don't want to. We understand that, but we're so glad to have you. My name is Ken Ellison. I'm the uh, pastor for the interim around here. And uh, this is such a wonderful church, and we're so delighted, my wife Mary and I, to be with you. And we're glad to see every one of you today, and especially our children. Let's say thank you for the parents and children. Would you do that? We're so glad to have you today. This is a safe sanctuary for children, and we have wonderful care for them, how we bless the Lord for them. And so we're glad to have every one of you. In just a moment, we'd like for you to uh, greet one another, but let me just ask, first of all, uh, we, we do this sometimes. If you have a guest with you, let me ask on this side. Do you have a guest that you'd like to introduce? Please stand and introduce them. I have a friend. Do you have to bring a friend this morning? Anybody bring a friend? Ooh, we need to bring our friends, don't we, Abigail? We need to bring our, anyone. I have a friend. Okay, over here, anyone have a friend? Yes, sir. Introduce your friend. Oh, how many, how many years has she been your friend? Oh, congratulations, that's wonderful, that is wonderful. Anyone else have a friend? We have a friend and my wife would like to introduce them to you. This is my wife, Mary. <laughs> They are from Appleton, Wisconsin. You met her mother and daddy, Melissa and Paul, a few weeks ago. So we're going to stand now and if, wait a second. If you can't, if you don't feel like shaking hands, we'll do like the Chinese do. They put their hands together like this and say hello. 
Can you say hello? Put your hands together like this. Come on, put them together. This is how you say hello in Chinese. You do it like this. Up, up, up like this. Say hello. Hello. Okay. So we're going to stand up now and just take a moment to speak to one another. God bless you. Thank you. to the next generation, tell it to the children, for such is our God, this is our God forever and ever, and he will keep us even until death. 
Bless his holy name. We come now to make our offering to the Lord. When we give this money, we give it to Jesus. Jesus, we bring our gift to you. Whether it is your tithe, your offering, or your mission commitment, let me encourage you. Let us be faithful to the Lord. He is so faithful to us. If our ushers would come now. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to ask a very special privilege. For a number of years, my wife and I lived in South Louisiana, and we worked with some wonderful Cajun people. And uh, Brother Kenneth, who is one of our deacons, and his wife are from Haiti. And we were talking about Haiti this morning, and we want to pray for Haiti, but we want to pray for China too. And we want to pray for India for all of Asia and all of South America, all of Africa. Pray for our own country. And I'm going to ask Brother Ken if he would pray this special prayer this morning, and I'm going to ask him to pray in French. Is that okay? Okay? God knows every language, and he hears us whatever language we speak. So let us bow our heads now as Brother Ken leads us in our offering prayer. Amen. I have um, asked a very special man to come and sing this morning, and Brother Gene's going to come up, and um, this man has been a part of our church for a long time, and he has been a part of our family for a long time, and I love him dearly, and um, he, he, I asked him, and he turned around and asked me to sing with him. I don't know why he did that, but we're going to try to, um, we're going to try to bless you guys this morning. I was, I know, Miss Brother Gene, you want to say a few words before you start? 
Well, I, I thought about it coming to church this morning. I had a whole bunch of stuff as I was going to say, and it all disappeared when I got up here. <laughs> but it's a, it's a pleasure for me to be back up here. It's been about two years, I guess, since I was up here last, and uh, it's, God, it's a blessing from God that this lady asked me to come back and sing a song again here in the church. Thank you so much, Melissa. There's one way to travel It's a narrow road It's a way to travel here below Step with Jesus to that blessed above. I will walk with Him who loved me so. Who loves me so? Lord, I really love Thee. It's not above Thee. Never from the footsteps will I stray. This thing I'm knowing Jesus comes to me when I pray When I pray When clouds hang low Clouds hang low I'll never despair Never despair Because my God Because my God Is always there He is everywhere Clouds hang low. Clouds hang low. I'll 
never despair. Never despair. Because my God. Because my God is always there. He is everywhere. Lord, I never praise thee for you surely saved me. Lord, I want to walk through every day. Every day. He is 92 years young.
Some days are just more special than others. Some weeks are more special than others. Some times are more special than others. This has been a very special, special week for Mary and myself. Our granddaughter, Tressa, and her husband, Tanner, from Wisconsin, have brought our first great-grandchild to visit in our home. There is something sobering about looking at a baby's face. Nothing sweeter than a baby's behind. (laughs) But there's nothing that seems to capture our soul again like the face of a child. And to see this little one as she gets to know Mary and me, to know our house, our floor, our kitchen, our foods. It has been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I was reading in Psalm 48, and I just couldn't get away from these precious words that I reminded you again. It is Psalm chapter 48, wherein the psalmist said, tell the next generation. It is Psalm 48 and verse number 13. Tell the next generation. Grandparents and parents have a particular role in the life of a family. We do have on our calendar what is called Grandparents' Day. We passed it, but I'm going to come back to it this morning. What is the role of grandparents and great-grandparents? We are called the silent generation. These wonderful men who fought in the Pacific and in Europe, those who fought in Korea and Vietnam, and then in the Middle East, they don't talk much about their experiences. They're the silent generation. Some of us who were born in the middle of the Great Depression in the 30s. Remember how difficult it was for your families and mine. And Merrill Haggard had put so much of it into words with my mother's hungry eyes. But God says to this generation, you cannot be silent. You need to share with your family and with your children and your grandchildren. And the very thought to my heart this morning and mine is terribly humbling as I think our first great-grandchild is in the nursery here for the hour. What do I want my 
children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to know about our family. Well, we often share with them our ancestry. We share with them our memories of the home place in the mountains of Southwest Virginia or here in Georgia or wherever you're from. We share with them our stories, some good, not so good also. We share with them our recipes, our foods, and it's nothing like coming home to mama or to grandmother or great-grandmother and eat at her table. My wife and I have had the privilege of traveling many parts of the world, but there's nothing in the world like Southern cooking. Please excuse me. I'm just prejudiced. I am a child of this beautiful land. How thankful I am for America. We share with them also some of our antiques, if you've got any. Most of ours are pre-seminary. We share with them our expressions. I want to ask you, have you shared with your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren your Christian convictions, your core values? No one is going to tell them but you, but you. Their parents may have forgotten, but you need somehow to share with them. In Psalms chapter 61 in verse 5, the psalmist said, Thou hast given me the, the heritage of those that fear the Lord. I want my children to know that our family is a family that fears the Lord. God has worked miracles in our family. I've given you a little of our testimony. No one knows more than I the tragedy of an early death. My father died when I was five. The loneliness and hurt of my mother and alcoholism, unfaithfulness. Oh, our scars are deep. And I've got a scar like yours too. And you've got a scar like mine. But the wonderful thing about this glorious gospel is that Jesus forgives sin. And Jesus is able to cleanse our hearts. And he's able to change our families and change our understanding. God wants to make a change in your family. But it's going to have to begin with you. Tell the next generation. Don't be ashamed. Speak of them. And what shall we speak? The Lord just said, tell them, Revelation chapter 1 in verse 8. Look there with me at that wonderful verse. The book of Revelation. Here is a simple and perhaps the simplest confession of faith in all the Bible. What does it say? It is Jesus who is speaking and he says, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty, the Almighty, the Almighty, El Shaddai. 
It's the most ancient name, this the Almighty. In Exodus chapter 3, God says to Moses at the burning bush, I'm telling you who I am. I'm revealing myself to you. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob knew me as the Almighty. The Almighty One. We might ask who in the world and how did man get to know that name? It is the most ancient name. It is interesting that there are perhaps uh, 57 times the word almighty is used in the Bible. And you might be surprised that 31 times it's used by one man alone. Not David, not Abraham, not David, not Solomon, but used by Job. Job whose life was washed over again with the tsunamis of pain and distress and despair and destruction and loss. But in it all, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and on this earth shall stand. He is the Almighty. He is the Almighty. A recent author whom some of you may know, C.S. Lewis, wrote the Narnia Tales. C.S. Lewis is, was in his time the greatest expert on the English literature in the world. He taught at Oxford. And out of his atheism, God worked a miracle in his heart to where he came to know Jesus as his personal savior. And to the intellectual community at Oxford and to the people of England who once had been the great bedrock of the gospel where today only 5% of them ever go to church. He tried to share with them the story of the Almighty and how the Almighty, who the Almighty is. And he he told children's stories in the in Narnia. And one of the most outstanding characters he portrays is the character of a lion. The lion's name is Aslan. Lion King, that's where they got it from. And Aslan is a metaphor, it is a picture, it is a parable. And the beaver said to the children, he's not a tame lion. No one has put him in a cage. No one has pulled his claws out. He's Aslan, the king of the jungle and he's telling you and me as the prophet Daniel said O king O world there is a God in heaven there is a God in heaven and you have not the world has not pulled his claws out he is the almighty 
Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. He is the Lord who speaks. And that Lord means Jehovah God, the God who is revealed in the Bible. And I want my children and my grandchildren to know that the Almighty has spoken. Psalm 48 says, He has revealed Himself. We cannot build a, a ladder that climbs to heaven. There is no bridge that we can construct our great rocket systems that carry us to the moon and beyond with all of our interest and exploration into the outer space. None of those instruments of our planning, preparation, our propulsion is going to reach heaven. You see, God had to, in his grace and mercy, show us what he's like. And he has. And the simplest truth in all the Bible, God says again to Moses at the burning bush, when Moses asks, what is your name? How shall I speak of you? And the Almighty says, I am, I am. I am the eternal I am. I am now, I have always been, and I will always be. You need to write it down. You need to plant it in your heart and let that seed grow into a beautiful flower of Christian expression. And that's what we have here in the book of Revelation. Express this. Tell your children. Tell your grandchildren that there's one who is Alpha and Omega. What does that mean? Alpha is simply the Greek letter A. And Omega is the Greek letter Z. We say it in English. He is the A and Z. He's the beginning and the end of life. He is the one who is present now. I am Alpha and Omega. And in that name, I am that I am. Alpha and Omega. This is the monogram of Jesus. Only he has it implanted upon his heart and upon his face as he reveals God to us. Our God is the first cause. It wasn't an accident that this world was created. Neither was it an accident that you were born. That's what they may have told you. We weren't expecting you. Frankly, we didn't want you. I've had so many people who've come and said, my parents said they didn't want me. They've never loved me. And there's grown a great distance between families and in hearts because somehow we don't realize he is the first cause. He is the final judge. He stood at our alpha morning, and dear friends, believe it or not, he will stand at our omega day. He was there when you and I were born, from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. He stood and saw the moment of your conception. And he said, I'll be standing there at the end of the road. 
young person, you who have never received Christ as your Savior, there is a judge at the end of the road. But the glorious gospel of Jesus is that he is, he is here. He has come. And when Jesus said to the man who was brought by his friends, literally let down through the ceiling in the very presence of Jesus, Jesus says to him, take up your bed and walk. Your sins are forgiven. What did you hear Jesus say? The Pharisees ask. Why, he said this man's sins are forgiven. Who does he think he is, this Jesus man? Only God can forgive sin. That's right. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus said, I have said that your sins are forgiven so that you might know, listen, 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 that you might know that God forgives sins on this earth. You can be forgiven of your sins right now. That's what that great hymn, didn't you love that a cappella singing? Oh, there's nothing in the world like the human voice. Oh, when Margot speaks, our world jumps to attention. A great preacher was once preaching to King George III of England. <clears throat> He'd been invited to Westminster Abbey to preach. The king was there. And of course, the place was packed because the king was there. And as he spoke, the king, of course, you know, he had other business going on. You know, he had his cell phone in his hand and he was reading his emails, you know, and <laughs> tweeting here and tweeting there. So it would be on CNN and on Fox. And he was talking to his helpers to do this and do that. And the preacher stopped. He went silent. The king realized, <coughs> gave the preacher attention. The preacher said, sir, in the jungle, when the lion roars, all the animals become quiet. And sir, when the king of heaven speaks, even kings shut their mouths. Does that say anything about our telephone use in church? I see it quite often while I'm preaching. People with their telephones, I'm sure they're reading the scriptures. I'm sure they're making notes from this wonderful exposition that I'm giving right now. Are you? Are you? Are you? My wife chides me, I carry an old flip phone. That's a confession. <laughs> now, it's a, that's a confession. Because I've seen so many people in Sunday school and even in church, but when the King of heaven speaks. 
we close down our phones in the presence of the Lord. Oh, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me now. For you're the God who is. I want my great-granddaughter, Margot Lillian, to know that we have the inheritance of those who fear the Lord, the God who is. The God is here in this sanctuary right now and right there in that nursery and in that time with your children. God is there. That's what he said. I am the God. I am. Look, look. I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is. But I am the God also who was. I was. What does that mean? It means simply that he is the God whose eye never closes, his attention never wavers, his love never ceases, and his care never fails. From the beginning to now and to eternity, he is the Almighty who was, and at his command, let there be light, said he. And the universe, the moon, the star, excuse me, the sun and the moon in our universe came into being and there was light. Well, what about the light before that? Was there any light before that? Of course there was. It is the light of the face of God. And the psalmist says, darkness and light are the same to him. It's the same. He sees what's going on at night. We think we do our deeds in the dark. But our dear God sees. He is the God who is, the God who was. And the wonderful thing, he says, he knew us before our birth. Is that possible? Is it possible that God knows the moment of conception, whether that child will be a boy or a girl? That God looks down as tenderly as a mother who hears that news from the doctor and she goes home to share the exhilarating joy with her husband. We're going to have a child. We're going to have a child. And that child begins to grow in the womb. And we wonder what, what, will, what will it be like? What will it be like when our baby is born? I want to say to you, dear friends, the eye of God never slumbers and he never sleeps. He sees the unborn and he sees the born. That's why we take our stand for, for, uh, for life. Because God is the creator of life. He says, I saw you before you were born and I have a plan for you. Do you know God has a plan for every life? Some of you struggle through life and have come to this point. It's been a, this one lady said, it's been pure misery. Pure misery. Oh, dear friend, dear friend, he is the forgiver of sins. He is the cleanser of the soul. He is the giver of life. He's the giver of hope. And though you may have a past, I want to tell you, God has a wonderful future for you. I have 
a future planned for you. And we may have disobeyed and been rebellious and walked in ourselves and in our selfishness, but there is a Savior. There is a Savior who cares for you. That's what he says. I have a plan for you. He has a plan for our Margot. It's been rather interesting, Tress and Tanner, as I see her playing on the floor. Here at 85, how much longer will I see her in my life? I'm not sure, Brother Casey, I'm going to make it to 92. I'd like to. I'd like to be preaching when I'm 100. I'm sure you'll have a pastor by then. (laughs) But you may hear, you may hear of that old man over there still preaching at 90. Why? Because God saved me. And he worked a miracle of new life in me. And I'm so humbly thankful. Oh, this life is... My wife and I wrote a book a couple of years last year, and it's entitled The Joy of the Journey. But it's not the whole title. The title is The Joy of the Journey in His Appointed Way. Those are Tozier's words. God has an appointed way for you. You may have strayed from it. You may have gotten off the right road. You may have wandered But oh, I want to tell you, dear friends, he's still standing there waiting on you. He's the God who is. He's the God who was. And he is the God of tomorrow. He's the God of tomorrow. I stood a few moments ago talking with my dear friend here in the back about the coronavirus. And he says he works at Costco. And he said, we've had a run on everything. And we've had to say to them, you can only have two quantities of of water, so many chickens, so much food. There'll be some people who come out in there and buy the whole thing out. I guess some of us just went in the wrong business, you know, at the wrong time. But I want to tell you, dear friends, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Because he's the God who is, the God who was, the God who will always be. And he knows and sees this terrible coronavirus. He knows where it began, although we may not. He knows how it will end, though we may not be able to see it now. But can we not be a people of faith? Can we not walk humbly before him? Lord, I'm, I just believe you own both pieces of the property on both sides of the river of life. As God owns this one, he owns the one on the other side too. And the wonderful promise of Jesus for me as a senior And I'm more senior than a lot of you. The most comforting thing in life is Jesus made this promise. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And I will, I will come again. I've heard people say, oh, God sent angels for my mother. Don't you believe it? Jesus came personally. And when your mother closed her eyes in faith or daddy closed his eyes in faith or grandma or grandpa closed their eyes in faith and simple trust in Jesus, Jesus opened their eyes. Sometimes when a person dies, we close their eyes never to open them again. But there's one who can. There's one who does. And I want to tell you, if you trust Jesus, there's one who will he will open your eyes and you will see him. And you'll be satisfied. You'll be home. No more pain. No more heartache. We sang about it a while ago. We will fly into his presence with joy and with thanksgiving. Jesus said, I will give unto you eternal life and you shall never perish, John 10, 28. And no one can snatch you out of my Father's hands. Not anything, seen or unseen. Imagined or unimaginable. Either real or surreal. He is in control. And in his providence and grace, I want to live before my wife, my two children, our four, grand, our four grandchildren, and two great-granddaughters. I want this to be my testimony. Oh, dear friends, you have a testimony. Don't be afraid to share it. may not have a pulpit like this, but God has given you the greatest privilege in the world. That is to have a family. Draw them near to you. Don't push them away. They may have rebelled against you. They may have said hard things. They may have done terrible things. They've broken your heart and stolen from you. But oh dear God, can we not forgive as he has forgiven us? And can we not love as a believer because he first loved us? This is the God who we know that's what the psalmist says. This is our God. This is our God forever. I will trust in him. I beg you this morning, go home and pick up that telephone, call your children, and invite them to come with you to church. It's okay. We've got plenty of room for them. They'll receive a warm welcome. Doesn't matter what they wear. For so many years on the mission field, I just wore blue jeans and a t-shirt and sandals. And I said, when I get home, I'm going to put on a shirt and tie. And, and I wear a shirt and tie. Uh, it's, as my mother said, a little, a little paint helps any old barn. And I guess it helps me a little bit. But dear friends, we're not here to see each other's clothes. And we're not here particularly just to see friends. We've come to worship him. And remember, 
He's not a tame lion. No one has pulled his claws out. He's still the Lord who says, I am the I am. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am. I was. I'll be here for you. Some of you have been talking about publicly professing your faith in Christ. You could do it here. In a moment, we'll sing an invitational hymn. You may also feel that you, some of you want to come and join this church. We invite you to come. The church doors are open. Our hearts are open. We wait for you. And God is going to move now in our, in our presence. His Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts. I'm going to ask you to be very reverent and quiet. We're going to stand as we sing together right now. Would you do that? Will you do that as we stand? And I'm going to stand right here at the front simply to be ready to pray with you if you'd like to pray. I'll just kneel with you in silence if you want silence. If there's something on your heart that's just breaking your heart, I'll be glad to take time to talk with you about it. As we sing this first glorious hymn, we invite you to come right now. Have thine own way. Did Jesus have any women disciples? Tonight in our service, we'll be talking about some women disciples of Jesus. Our service is at, thank you, at six o'clock. 
We invite you to come. Sunday night is a wonderful day. We sing together. We pray together. And it's just a wonderful time. We invite you to come. Turn off the television. Come back to church. Thank you for coming today. May the Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. I'm going to pray. This will be our benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his hand upon you and give you peace in your heart and in your home and in your work. God bless everyone here today. May we go now as instruments of your peace and joy to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.